What's up, y'all? This is Vinny. Just a reminder that this material has been prepared for entertainment purposes only and is not intended to provide and should not be relied on for tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and accounting advisors before engaging in any transactions. Enjoy the episode, everybody. On this episode of Pennies Going In Raw, the taxes episode, and we've also got a brand new swing and this week in the market. Hey, yo, check one, two. This is Flavor Flav in the building for the Atlas crew. Atlas trading, what the fuck is up? They're traders, they're prodigies, and then there's legends. Rob, 4%, baby. No way. 4% fucking percent. Buy the fucking dick. Hey, who told me about IDEX? Like, dude, what the fuck? Like, someone just made, like, a lot more money than me on my trade. You find out... Likes this game of pennies. Did you check the portfolio? Pennies. 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 The margin for error is so small. I bet Warren Buffett never did that. And they out there making money right now off of penny stocks. The two guys is putting in work to make y'all rich. The pennies we need are everywhere around us. Time to think big. Pennies going in raw. Featuring Dan. Deity it dips. And Hugh Honey. Produced by Vinny Strokes, baby. Welcome back to another episode of Pennies Going In Raw. Today is Sunday, December the 20th. And although the first two days of this past week were a little spooky, uh, it did start to recover Wednesday through Friday, and Spy ended about, you know, even. Yeah, I mean, Spy was... I, this week felt a little weird. It, Spy really felt like it was inside like a limbo zone, if you will. And I really didn't know how we were going to end the week. I mean, the first three days, I was, I, I was, I was down. I was down a lot. Yeah the uh, the PFE calls. I know you said you're about done trading them um, last week. You you had mentioned, or it, it was right after we got the news that PFE got was the the approved vaccine. That was the one being shipped out and all all that good stuff. But that was a big sell the news and and you did warn people you 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 let them know that it would probably be a sell the news bit a little pop at the open that's exactly what happened um what do you, what do you think about the future for that or or is there just no looking back for you on Pfizer yeah so actually part of the reason that I started to accumulate J and J calls was because of how well Pfizer did I mean we uh, Pfizer leading up three weeks into the into the Padufa date did a 23% move. Um, I mean, we caught a majority of that. Our original position went about, a, a, I think I was holding about one call and I think it, the max that it saw was about 1106%. That being said, their float is 5 billion. We talked early in the pod, uh, I think it was early in season one, we talked about what float was. Their float is 5 billion. Billion. So it takes a lot to move a company. So when a company does 22% in three weeks, I really don't think that it matters what catalyst it was. We got to take some profits. So I took some profits when my calls were up about 750%, um, simply because one, even though we, we felt strong about the approval, it's still an approval process. So we didn't know if it was going to, like, it's not a slam dunk, you know? I mean, we talked about in the podcast that this was as much of a slam dunk as you can get. But here's the thing. The stock was already up 22%. Everyone was expecting this. So we have to be one step ahead. And I think that, um, you know, for everyone who, who, I mean, I got a lot of DMs out there. Um, for everyone who held on and they lost about half of their profits, one, it was still a green trade. Two, think of this as a learning experience. Okay, fine. This was a sell the news event. Now, next time that you're playing something, if it's up huge going into the catalyst, maybe take some off no matter what the catalyst is. You know, it's, it's all got to be, PFE has never made a substantial move like that. And that said to me, listen, it's time for me to take some profit. I'm, and part of the other reason was that was my first seven-figure uh, trade net. And so I was really excited about it. We got a really good move. Um, and that's part of the reason that I did start swinging J&J calls. And I know you've mentioned the J&J calls on Twitter, but I don't think you've really touched on them on the podcast. Uh, you mentioned to me that you did have a new swing. Is that the new swing? And we're going to save it for after? Or 
is, is do you have a totally new new swing and this J&J is just uh, extra icing on the cake? Yeah, so I'm I'm actually really happy that you asked me that because the that is a new swing, but also the swing that I started accumulating has to do with J&J. So it, it, should I go into my J&J swing now and tie it into my new swing? Uh, we'll, we'll tie all the, uh, the swing information at the, at the very end, give them a little incentive, and we don't want to keep them waiting too long for the taxes episode. Other than that, to kind of just finish up this week in the market, you know, we saw everyone's favorite swings dip the first couple of days with the IPOC, AMCIs, etc. But we did see that recovery on Friday and especially after hours. And you saw Pick get that merger date announced and it went crazy. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think uh, everyone's get, finally got back in the good mood on, on Friday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, I know for sure that I was I was deep red on Friday. Not deep red. I was like six figures deep red on Friday. And then I ended up about six figures um, with, within the last like maybe 20 minutes before the bell. I mean, crazy swing. But um, it, it was nice to see. I felt like Spy had a little bit of a pullback. And now if we get STEM news, you know, uh, you know, there was a new report that said it, that's supposed to come tomorrow or whatever. Whatever. It, it is what it is. For me, I think they're just stringing us along. But I think that when STEM news does come, that we should see all-time highs. Right now, Spy literally just seems like new, like it touches an all-time high, sells off 2%. Touches a new all-time high, sells off 2%. So uh, that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting a pretty... I'm still holding my spy calls. Now, I went from being up 75% to now down 6%. But I'm still expecting a pretty good push on STEM news. So that that's kind of what I'm thinking about the market. And, and, and I think that overall, you know... Uh, they're already talking about, so this stim deal is going to be a smaller, uh, bill. It's only, it's going to be about 900, uh, billion. I think, um, the number that was being floated around. The key part is that it will include about five to six hundred dollars worth of checks. That's also key. And then the other key part is that the Biden administration already said that they're working on a massive deal for after. I mean, I was, I was seeing a number floated out as big as five trillion by March. So, I mean, the market has been running on stim news <laughs> since since we got the first check you know i mean if they start floating around rumors of a 5 trillion dollar check i mean i don't see anything happening to spy as long as interest rates and the fed keep keep buying 120 billion worth of bonds every month uh so aside from the fact that you are clearly playing a lot more options and i do think we need to we will eventually after the Zach Morris episode and everything. We will revisit options. I've been dabbling a little and Hugh's been wagering 10 American families yearly income a day on it. But our, <laughs> and, and I think, uh, you know, something to visit with that is, is that have you been trading like the personality of the PFE and the spy calls or, you know, is that something that we should touch on in, in the future episode on that next options? So I definitely, if you guys go back and listen to the first option, I said, I almost never swing options. Now I'm swinging an option for five weeks. So obviously when we talked about adapting to the market, this is what I'm talking about. Adapting to the market. The reason I'm swinging options currently is I usually never swing options because the risk is not there. Um, you know, I mean, we talked about the Greeks, the Delta, the volume, you know, if you have something trading at a 70 Delta and, you know, 200 implied vol, I mean, that's going to move point for point or close to point for point with the stock, which means that your risk, if something comes out bad, you're going to lose whatever, whatever is in there. And then you add in time decay, expiration, stuff like that. So I always usually like equity, but with the vaccine plays like the PFE, like the J&J, okay, again, I'm not going to use this word, but I have a much better chance. 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 The reward is on our side. And so I'm going for the home runs with these by using the option. I'm looking for J&J to make about a 12%. It's made about a 2% move. I'm looking for it to make about another 10% of a move. That's not really, if I was going to take equity, that's not really appetizing to me. But if the options, you know, I'm looking for five, six, 700% of a move on the options. So I usually don't take the options and swing them because of the risk and because of the volatility. But right now I'm taking them because of that reason. Okay, perfect. Yeah, we will definitely have to retouch on that soon. So I, I think it's uh, it's about time to uh, get in the meat and potatoes of the episode. 
uh, taxes. And clearly this is definitely more of, of your ballpark than mine. So I think this will be more of one of those Roth IRA episodes where it's full of few knowledge and me saying, mm-hmm, okay, all right, got that. So, uh, you know, feel free to, to take it away, man. Yeah, so first off, I'm just going to put this out there. Um, you know, I'm newly 22. I do not, neither Dan nor I have um, our CPAs. Um, we are not tax professionals. In fact, my accountant is fantastic. He's an amazing man. Um, I, I probably owe him way more than what he than, than what he charges me. Um, in fact, I still have an accounting class. It's one of my two classes left for college, which I'll actually be doing inside the spring. So, and I and I dropped out of college. Yeah, neither of us even have our degrees. So, <laughs> please, please, please we're trying to give you knowledge, but please talk to a tax professional. I am not that. Um, Dan is not that. Um, and I just want to put that out there. Also, if you're looking to not pay any taxes, this is not the place for you. There's, there's no getting around paying zero taxes. Okay. The, the tax code is 70,000 pages. Okay. It's ironclad at this point. I'm just throwing it out there. There's ways to reduce, there's ways to minimize, but one way or another, you're going to give up some of your money to Uncle Sam. There's, there's just no getting around that. And, and finally, like I said, 70,000 pages is the tax code. And this is just throwing this out there because we've had a crazy year. Anything above a $50,000 in tax liability, you're the government's, uh, you're the government's, you know, yeah, yeah, you're the government's. Okay, the government, if, if you owe more than $50,000 in tax liability, your car, your home, the, the, the bonds that you, that you set aside for your daughter, you know, your, your son's college tuition, any of that, okay, if, you're, if your spouse has a job, they can start taking money, just taking money before you even see it. So please do not mess around with the IRS. I swear to God. It is no joke, okay? The SEC, they're a bunch of jokesters, okay? They're a bunch of idiots. The IRS, they will take their money. Um, so now that we have that out of the way, um, kind of like the IRA podcast, we're going to go over some key terms first, okay? Just so we can get our feet wet, okay? Cost basis. This represents the amount you initially paid for a security plus commission. It acts as a baseline figure from where taxes on day trading profits and losses are calculated. If you close out your position above or below your cost basis, you will create either capital gain or capital loss. Okay, now what's a capital gain? A capital gain is simply when you generate profit from selling a security for more money than you originally paid for it. And if you buy a security for less money than received when selling it, short, both traders and investors can pay tax on capital gains. Normally, if you hold your position for less than one year, it will be considered a short-term capital gain and you'll be taxed at the usual rate. Okay. Now, quick, let me, because obviously I'm reading the definitions here. Okay. What that means is, is that you'll be taxed as ordinary income, okay? This is really important to understand, okay? If you buy a security and you hold it for less than one year, so as day traders and most swing traders, it's going to be taxed as ordinary income at your marginal tax rate, which we'll get into, okay? And this sets off any other income and you can take up to a 3000 you know, offset, which you can carry into the next year, but we'll get into that later. Um, but that's what capital gain is. Okay. Uh, and then capital loss, a capital loss is when you incur a loss when selling a security for less than you paid for. Okay. I I really, I'm not going to read the rest of that definition, but just so that we understand capital gain, capital loss. Okay. Ordinary income. Okay. You're taxed at your marginal tax rate. So less than a year, your tax sets your marginal tax rate. All right. One of the things that we talk about, uh, or I guess one of the questions that I get a lot is what is a wash sale? Okay. This is really important because you can get confused really fast. And this is one of the things with the IRS that, um, that can really help you to your advantage if you treat it right. So a wash sale. Okay. This is the definition. The wash sale rule prohibits selling an investment for a loss and replacing it with the same 
investment 30 days before or after the sale. If you do have a wash sale, the IRS will not allow you to write off the investment loss, which could make your taxes higher than you hoped. So that sounds like gibberish. What does that mean in simple terms? So let's say that you bought SPAC at 16. Yeah, we could even say, we could even shout out Sonny and say that you bought it on 120% margin <laughs> if you want to. Okay, and it drops all the way down. It drops to 12, 10. Now it's sitting at nine. Okay, and now you're down a huge chunk and you say, ah, screw it. Okay, and you sell for a thousand dollar loss. Now, what we just talked about on capital gains, okay, you can write that loss off, that $1,000. Now, if Dan comes to you and Dan's your best friend and Dan's like, yo, 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 listen, all right, this Zach Morris guy, let me tell you, he's Warren Buffett, pretend to be Zach Morris. Spack's going to 20. Yeah, Spack's going to 20, all right, you got to get back in, you got to get back in, okay, and you buy back four days later, okay. That's what's called a wash sale rule. And the IRS will not let you take that loss. Okay, so say your account was at $10,000. Now, obviously, because of the $1,000 loss, it's at $9,000. Okay, so the IRS will not let you write off that $1,000. Okay, that's really important. Now, but does it does it have to be the exact same amount of shares that you sold? What if you bought like a smaller amount of the position? Yeah, so that's a really good question. So think about it like overlapping. If you bought a thousand shares and if you bought a thousand shares and you only sold 500, well, your loss on that is what? Is uh, let's say, okay, let's say it was $500. Okay, let's say it was $500. That if you buy back the shares, you can't write off that $500. So even if you only sell a partial position, okay. You can't write that off if you buy back or buy not. You don't even have to buy back the full position. If you sell half of your position and then buy back a third, you can't write off the full $500. Okay. And how does the way you buy or the way you sell affect that? If you have last in, first out or first in, first out. Yeah. Uh, one of my ways of scaling in and out, I, I do last in, first out. So my the last ones that I bought are the first ones I'm selling. So I'm, those are usually the cheapest ones I'm buying if it's on a downtrend. Uh to to slightly avoid that. Yeah, to slightly avoid that, but you're still always going to have overlap. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, unless you're just doing extreme due diligence on every single yeah. share you buy, but there are ways to get around it if you are scaling in and out and uh, definitely 100%. definitely look at like the last in first out first in first out because there are definitely some ways to uh, minimize this if uh, you find this as an issue. And if you have no idea what we're talking about, um, your broker usually sets you up with what is called FIFO. Okay. And that means, right? It's first in first out, right? Yeah. yeah FIFO first, is first so in first out. So that would mean if you bought... 500 shares over time, 100 at $1, 100 at $2, 103 $2, You're If you're on FIFO, the first ones you sell, let's say it hits 10, would be the $1 shares. Uh, the next ones you share would be the $200 shares. And if it's LIFO, the first ones you sold would have been the $5 shares. Perfect. And there's also there's also different ones where you can be uh, sell lowest price. They, they give you a bunch of options, and it's definitely something you may need to talk to someone about. Or, you know, it, it all depends on the way you trade. Yeah, it, 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 and again, most of this episode is going to be depending on what you trade. Of the two ways that most people talk about, it's the LLC and the trader tax status. I'm a fan of the LLC, which we'll get into later. And that's simply because I'm a swing trader, um, where a day trader probably wants trader tax status more than LLC. But but we'll get into that later. But yeah, it, this entire episode is going to be more about what your kind of style of trading is. Yeah, so that kind of brings me into what happens if you don't do anything about your taxes and your only income is trading. So say you're, you know, um, you're fresh out of college, you can't get a job. You know, I have a lot of friends like that right now and they're just day trading or, or trading. If you don't do something about your taxes, like for instance, in New Jersey, you're going to be given back for, and again, again, you know, it's going to be ordinary income if you hold less for, for 12 months. So we'll call ourselves quote unquote day traders. If you're a day trader and you live in New Jersey, you're going to give 
the government back 40% of your gains. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. Um, and, and so I think that it's really important for everyone to understand the magnitude that, oh, uh, well, that's so much work. Yeah, well, if you save 10%, it, it, or even if you save 2%, that can be 10000 that can be even 100000 in some cases. So I think it's really important that everyone understands that if you don't do anything about it, you can be paying, I mean, California, New York, New Jersey, I mean, you're giving back like almost half of what you made. So I think that's really important. Yeah, and in declaring for that, uh, I think the main three things you get are that you're not subject to the $3,000 cap for capital loss deduction. Uh, you can deduct interest and operating expenses as ordinary expenses. And the third is that you can uh, mark to market election is not subject to wash sale rule, uh, which I'm not sure what that third one means. It, no, that's a r- those are really good points. And so what market to market means is, you know, I'll get into that when we go more into into trade tax service. But one thing I wanted to touch on was, um, you know, a lot of people talk about, um, you know, moving to different states. You know, I'm going to move to Florida for the taxes. I'm going to move to Texas for the taxes. And, um, and, and I've had a few questions about what that exactly means and why they do that. Well, for instance, I live in New Jersey, okay? Um, I love New Jersey, but we pay, and California too, um, if anyone follows Grand Stefan, I love him. He's moving from LA to Las Vegas. The reason that he's doing that is because in LA, he has to pay 13% state tax. So that's what the state takes from you because the federal government and the state both take their part. Um, and so the state charges him 13% income. Las Vegas, zero. Okay, I live 45 minutes from Pennsylvania. It would save me 10% if I were to just move to 40, 45 minutes, which is something I'm, I'm thinking about a few options after college. But it's just something to think about is that, um, you know, if you really are really getting into this and you're starting to make $100,000, $10,000 for moving 40 minutes, I mean, that's $10,000 a year to move 40 minutes. That, you know, that's something to think about. So yeah, so now that we have that covered, because that's really important is to understand, you know, I mean, 10%, you know, obviously the federal government and the state both take their, you know, their portion and, um, you know, the federal government, you can't get away with, but the state just by moving 40 minutes for 10%, I mean, that's huge. So, you know, I mean, obviously Florida is great. Texas is great. Yeah, Florida and Texas are the two final destinations. Them two are yeah. uh, the Cayman Islands. Yeah. I mean, Las Vegas doesn't sound bad either. <laughs> Puerto Rico, you know, so that's something that I wanted to touch on. And then something else I want to touch on is if you're not profitable, I feel like I get this question a lot as well, because a lot of people say, uh, I actually had a friend say, well, I'm not profitable. I don't have to, I don't have to file this year. One, th- there's two things why that's so stupid. Uh, I, excuse me. That's just so stupid. One, because the government, you have to still file. The government wants to know what you lost. The government wants to know what trades you took, th- things like that. Um, so that's really important. You still have to file. Yeah, you were you were green on at least one of those trades. You yeah. made profit on something there. Exactly. Like that's so stupid. Like yes, even though you were down overall, you still have to. And then on top of that, you want to. You want to. Um, because the thing is that is if you lose money, guess what? You can take that against your other income. So say that uh, say that you know you owe say, say you owe an uh, ice cream truck. Um, you own an ice cream truck and you owe the government $10,000, you can write off those losses against that income. Yeah. Or if it, even if you're just trading, you can save them for the next year. Yes, exactly. You can roll over those. I mean, it doesn't have to be an ice cream truck. I had to pay taxes just working at my, you know, last job. It doesn't have to be something crazy. Yeah. It doesn't Uh, have to be something crazy. Any, any losses that you can deduct. I mean, those are, those are the best ones. I mean, that's, if, if you lost money, you know, sack up and and put it on your turbo tax because you'll get audited if not one and you can take it off uh, next year if so for two. Um, yeah. So, I mean, and that's a really good point. We'll get into, we, we touched on market to market, but market to market is one of the most beautiful things in the world. Uh, we'll get into that. But it's one of the biggest things that, that you can do as a trader. As you said, you can carry over that loss into next year. So even if next year you're profitable and say you never lose, well, whatever you owe the IRS the next year, you can still take from that loss from the previous year. 
So you can carry it over. Now, what I want to get into is for is is two of the things that I see as really the 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 best ways to avoid taxes or, or not avoid taxes because that's not the right term, but to minimize the amount that you owe at the end of every year. Okay. And something that, that we also have to touch on is that as day traders, you have to start doing quarterly taxes or do an estimated um, quarterly because if not, the IRS will charge you um, interest. The IRS wants their money now. They want it right now. So if you're not doing quarterly taxes and especially, especially for the homies that are making over six figures, please please, before the end of the year, you need to do an estimated income um, or an estimated tax. Now, the first one I'm going to get into is called TTS. You'll see a lot. You'll see that acronym a lot when, when talking about taxes. That is called the trader tax status. Okay. And you'll hear, and you, this is more of like a, I want to call it more of like a myth because this is, this is something where you can't just go to the IRS website and say, how do I be a how do I get TTS? Okay. Because there is no set criteria. Okay. And I know, I know I'm going to have at least one accounting degree come into my DM saying, well, actually let's not. No, 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 no. There is no set criteria by the IRS. Okay. There is just different lawsuits and different court dates that give them precedent. There's been like several, several court dates, uh, like even reading right here, the courts have attempted to simplify the determination of trader status over the years. However, these attempts have never successfully clarified exactly what a trader yes, is under the thank law. Thank you. Yeah, and, exactly. And it, give, it even gives two examples where one guy made 137 transactions a year. He was qualified as a trader, uh, commissioner versus new bar, but in, Holsinger versus Mickler versus Commissioner 372 didn't apply. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's obvious if you are. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things. So, yeah, and that's, a, and that's really great. And this is something that, um, you know, I talked to my account about because I wanted to make sure that I had this right for you guys. Um, like I said, I have a great accountant and I'm, I'm still waiting to hear back from him. If, if I can, I will release his information um, because all he does is deal with traders. Um, if I can, I, I will, uh, I'll probably get back. He'll probably get back to me by Monday. If I can, I will tweet out his information. Um, he, he doesn't reside inside the sta- same state as me. And if I can, if he's looking for clients, um, if he's, uh, I, last time I talked to him, he wasn't looking for clients. But if I can, I will tweet out his information so that you guys can, can, um, can contact him. He is a great guy. Um, he does a beautiful job with my taxes. And if I can, I will tweet out his information. If he says he's not looking for new clients, then sorry. Um, but this is super important TTS to understand. Um, this is kind of what, if you do this, then you're almost guaranteed trader tax ass, but there's still that 1% of the time where the IRS, you know, just says, eh, hey, you're kind of on the line reject now. Yeah. They're the Trump card. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so here are the guidelines. Okay, your average. So listen to me. Average hold time of a position is not is less than thirty one days. So your average hold time of all of your positions it should be around four to five days or even less. Okay, you really don't want more than I would say probably around eight trading days or around like two weeks. Okay. That's really important. Um, and that's part of the reason that I went the LLC route, um, because I've never actually been approved for trader tax status simply because I, I'm, I'm a swinger. I'm, I love swing trading. That's, that's my thing. I swing into catalyst. I'm not making a bunch of trades every day. So next up, it's the amount of hours that you spend at the market. This can be either trading, researching, perfecting your craft, whatever you want to call it. Um, this is, this is again, one of those things where, okay, the IRS is going to ask you, it's not like you're going to videotape or log every single thing that you do. Um, and so you should be spending, you should be, this should be considered, they want you to consider this as a part-time job, if not, um, closer to a full-time job. So you need to spend, you know, 20, 30 hours at the computer, um, a week 
to consider this. Now, of course, you know, if you're working a full-time job um, and, and you're on your phone, you know, looking at research, you can count that. And, and if you're close, of course, the IRS isn't going to ask you for logs because that's impossible. Next, in a year, you need to do about, now this is just the, this is just the, this will, everything that I'm giving you as far as the guidelines should guarantee you trader tax status, but because I'm, I'm kind of going over, so I'm rounding everything up. So I think technically the number that was used inside the court case was 720. Um, I'm using, I'm rounding up to 750 so that there's no confusion here. You, in a year, you need to do at least 750 trades. Now, this is relatively easy to me because that's about four to five trades um, a day. So technically it's three and a half, but again, I'm rounding up everything. So I'm saying if you do four trades a day, then you will definitely meet the criteria for everybody in my DMs that's going to say, well, actually it's 3.6. Yeah. Okay. We get it. Thank you. Um, and the great thing about this is that every time that you buy and sell, it counts as a trade. So when I scale into my J&J calls, I put out like six different orders because I'm not slapping uh, out of the money options that are, you know, 40 days to expiration. I'll send, I'll, I'll send that thing up 40%. So I put in six, six um, different orders. That counts as six different trades when they get filled. The same thing when I sell. If I sell and I do 10 different orders, then that counts as 10 trades. So 750 should be relatively easy to meet. Can you cheat that at all? Can you just sell a hundred shares of like a 78 cent stock three times a day or do they, how much wiggle room do you have there? No, you have so much wiggle room. If you have a hundred, say you, say you want to buy, you know, a hundred, a hundred shares of a dollar stock. If you do a hundred different orders, and this is the great thing about no commission is that now you can do this and, and you know, it should be just become routine to scale out of a position anyway. But even more, this gives you more of an incentive because you're not paying $4.95 per trade. So if you wanted to, you could technically sit there all day and just trade like a 20 cent stock and just buy it for 20, you know, buy a hundred different times at 20 cents throughout the day and then sell a hundred times at, um, you know, 20 cents. Now something that is- You're going to get that TTS real quick. Yeah, exactly. You're going to get it real quick and uh, you're going to meet that criteria. This is by far the easiest criteria. Now, that being said, um, do not confuse this with market selling. They need to be different orders. So if you sit there and sell 100 shares and it gets filled at 100 different prices, that does not count as different trades. It needs to be 100 or I mean it needs to be 750 different orders. Okay? That's something to note. And then something else to note this is really simple. Don't overthink this. It's just 750 orders. Think of it like that. Um, and, and again, if you're wondering how to do this, because before you go and talk to an accountant, you should definitely um, kind of know where you're at as far as that goes. So you should know your P&L. Um, you, know, you should know how many orders about. And, and all of this you can download from your broker. And, that's, and that brings me to a point about keeping really detailed records. Um, it, your broker should keep pretty detailed records, but in general, I would just off to the side, even if you have like a mobile calendar on your, on your phone, you download like a separate mobile calendar and every day you just kind of do something like, like you just kind of track your trades, you know, like kind of like a journal, something like that, because you're going to need to keep really detailed records. I remember when I first started trading, I was trying to write off expenses. I would have to go through my credit card statements at the end of every year, and it used to take me freaking days, um, and that's such a pain in the ass. But with with that being said, though, when you're saying that these brokers keep really detailed notes, like really, really, really detailed, one, they send them all to the government, but two, it makes it super easy whenever you're just doing your taxes yourself on your TurboTax or whatever, instant import within like five minutes, just right over. So, yep. it, you know, it's not as confusing when it comes to if you need to do it on your own as well. Yeah, exactly. And so for if you if this is your first year in the market and you either took a loss or, you know, maybe you didn't make that much money or, you know, or especially if you don't have like an S corp or you're not trying to, you know, you're not trying to apply for trade tax status and you were just dipping your toes, then fine. No, you don't need to pay an accountant. I would suggest still consulting with an accountant and my accountant also does consulting 
Um, I would definitely consult with an accountant, but I wouldn't necessarily, you, you know, if you, if you do TurboTax and this year you made like two grand in the market, fine. Then, then, you know, you don't need to go spend, you know, a thousand on an account or something. Um, so that, that's a really good point. And, and all the brokers make it super simple. Like Dan was saying, are you saying that, um, you, you can't declare for this trader status on a turbo tax or something like that. You have to get an accountant to do it. No, 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 no. There is a specific form. Um, there is a specific form. Um, I, I don't have it off the top of my head. I want to say that it's like, like four ninety five or something. Um, that's probably so wrong. But with that being said, like why, why so specific on the accountant? While you're hitting on that right now, because my accountant, what he does is that he he goes through all of my orders. Um, you know, I have a I have a card that I use specifically for my LLC. Um, you know, I give him that for my expenses. Like he just does everything for me. He it makes it super simple, super convenient. I've never had trouble with the IRS. Knock on wood. Um, and, and the reason I do that is because I, I've 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 heard horror stories. Um, even, even someone saw my family owns a construction business. He got audited by the IRS. And I mean, you know, he wasn't, you know, he owns like a one man construction team and he got audited by the IRS and he didn't have any of his receipts for his business expenses. He didn't have any of that. And they sat there and they basically took, I mean, he had to pay an extra $19,000 in, um, because he couldn't prove anything that, that he claimed. So are you saying that doing your taxes yourself on one of these apps isn't a reasonable idea at all for anyone making over fifty dollars to $100,000 in the market just because of how much you'll save or potentially avoid in conflict with the IRS? Yeah, I mean, avoiding conflict. My guy, I mean, he's opened up. I mean, we when we go, when we go into, um, you know, what you can write off. Keep, it, keep in mind, not everyone has your guy, though. Yeah, no, no, you're right. You're right. And, and I mean, he just finds stuff that like, I would never think of like, um, I mean, he just finds stuff, you know, when, when I'm paying for stuff, he just finds things that I would never think to write off. But, um, that being said, like, like we said, is that, you know, I do it for more of like a convenience factor. You know, you, you don't really need somebody, especially if you're fine with just paying the 40% and you're like, nah, screw it. Like I made like nothing this year. Like I still have like another job. Um, you know, and you live in New Jersey, fine pay, or, I mean, I guess you wouldn't pay 40%, but you know, fine. Then just pay your marginal tax rate and just pay, you know, just pay outright. Then yeah, that's fine. Don't, you know, keep doing it yourself. Um, I'm talking about the people who they're trying to squeeze like me, who are trying to squeeze every dollar out of uncle Sam, but don't want to, you know, they, they don't want the chance of getting audited by the IRS. All right. Gotcha. Yeah. So then back to, uh, kind of the guidelines for getting, uh, the trade tax ass, like we said, um, you know, your average hold period, not more than 31 days, the hours spent in the market, the, you know, over 700, you know, 750 trades minimum. And then also one of the questions that I got, because I, we were talking about this inside the trader chat, um, you know, I, I think about like three months ago, and, and this was something that, that I w- took a mental note of and wanted to remember was one of the questions I got was that what if you started in June or something, let's say, you know, anything after the 1st of January, um, you know, do you still have to meet that criteria? And the answer is no, it's prorated. Kind of like rent is prorated if you start um, in the middle of the month. You know, so the 750 trades, if you start in June, then that's cut in half. What if the person has, uh, they they had money in their Weeble account or, you know, they had a little Robin Hood, but then they just started trading once the lockdown started. No. So yeah, so that's a really good question. And so it's whenever you technically declare that you're starting day trading. Now, if you started, ah. yeah. So if you started trading, you know, day trading, so that means like, obviously not, you know, buy, you're buying and selling within the first, you're not, you're not holding for the long term. Um, but then you, you, you heard about trade tax status and you started following the guidelines March 1st. Well, then the IRS is going to look at your trades and say, no, dude, you've been day trading since June, January. So, you know, you can't just say what, that you started in March if you started in January. Um, but if you just have money in a broker and you're not really doing anything with it or you're holding long term, then no, then, then you can, you know, say you were holding long term, you sold all your indexes and started day trading in March, then, then you could say March. But that, it's definitely not something where you can say you dabbled in January you know, say you dabbled in January, lost 5,000. And then, um, and then in March you decide to pick it back up again. And now you want to say that you started day trading in March. That's not how that'll work. But yes, if the short answer, yes. 
um, if you just had money inside your account, not using it, not touching it, and then in March you decide to start day trading, then yes, you could prorate it for March and say that you started in March. Gotcha. That's that's a really important part. And then this is one of those where this is this is probably, in my opinion, one of the most difficult to meet. And especially for me as a swing trader, because sometimes I don't make a trade for two days. Uh, and that is must place a trade on almost 200 days a year. So there's about 252 trading days a year. That means that you can take off about 52 days um, in a year. One day a week. Yeah, one, exactly. One day a week. And that's really important because 200 days a year, it, I mean, that's even though that doesn't seem like a lot, um, you know, Monday and Tuesday were bloodbath. So if you decide to stay out of the market Monday and Tuesday, I mean, there you go. You used up half of the, you know, used up two of the four days that you don't have to trade on during um, the month. And so that's one of the ones where I, I see as the most difficult and probably why I, that's the reason I didn't hit trader tax status ever was because I, I just don't make, um, you know, that many trades. You know, I probably trade about, um, half of the viable days. Um, honestly, you know, I mean, there, there'll be a week where I won't go without making a trade. And then, you know, there'll be a week where I'm making a trade every day. So that's one of the toughest that I see, but that's again, why you have to keep really good logs so that, you know, you can look back, um, right about now and see, okay, am I on track for this? You know, if you wanted to end the year early because you saw that spy was kind of acting heavy and you wanted to take the last two weeks off, well, I mean, the last two weeks, that's, that's you know, 10 trading days right there. That's 20% of what, um, you know, you, you don't have to trade for. So if you only have eight days left, you know, just buy and sell a stock real quick, you know, take like a 10 cent loss or hell, make a dollar and then keep moving. You know, no commission brokers are a beautiful thing. And then the other thing is your deductions. Anything business related, so your scanners, education, news feeds, um, equipment. I bought like $12,000 worth of equipment this year. I mean, it, it was just absurd. Um, all of that, all of that, you know, AirPods, um, you can you can write off. Um, you know, what else do we got? Uh, Monitors, desks, yeah. computers, oh, AirPods, yep. uh, mobile devices. You can write off your cell phone. Uh, 25% of like your house. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So it's whatever your, where your office is inside your house. Exactly. You know, part of your mortgage. Exactly. Uh, but one, one important thing to remember is that all of this, um, all your desks and computers, it has to be under $2,500 per item. So, uh, don't go out buying a super computer and try and write it off at $6,000. Yeah. Uh, maybe buy each part separately. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. Sorry. That's really important to know. And then um, the thing that I see as the biggest benefit to trader tax status is mark to market. And basically what I'm saying is that, okay, so far we've heard how to get to trade tax status. And the only benefit that you've heard so far is the deductions. Well, okay, the deductions are great, but if you have a seven figure tax liability, yeah, it's not going to do anything. And we all want to get to a point to, because again, you know, we all, I hate seeing, just a pet peeve, I hate seeing the, the different comments underneath like Zach's posts that are like, oh, great, you made 800K. You know, think about how much you're going to pay in taxes. Yeah, who cares? He, he uh, that's great. You know, I, I would love to have, you know, $8 million in tax liability because you know what that means? I made a hell of a lot of money this year. So, and, and so far, like I said, is that the deductions are nice, but if you have a seven-figure tax liability, yeah, that's, a, that's not really going to make a dent. So where you really can turn, turn it in your favor is the mark-to-market, okay? The wash sale rule and um, the capital loss to ordinary loss is wiped out. You, you know, if your only source of income is trading, you can, you can usually only deduct 3000 of your capital loss. And then the rest can be carried into future years. Um, if you're a mark to market trader, the whole thing can be deducted. So if you have a 50,000, you know, I had a $40,000 fook up. Um, let's, let's see. It was about a week and a half ago or something. Yeah, it sucks. But guess what? Yeah. If I get, if you get trader tax status and you, uh, and you know, obviously I want to do mark to market. Yeah. Then I can just wipe that baby out, you know, see ya, see ya. And then again, 
if you get trade tax status and you, you just absolutely whiff the pony and you just, you know, if you get trade tax status and you just whiff the pony and you have huge losses, guess what? Had a tough year. Yeah, you just had a, which, you know, I mean, you just had, you know, one thing, you obviously weren't an Atlas. You obviously weren't following PJ, Zach. Yeah, I'm going to throw my hat in there, you know what I mean? I've, or the podcast. Yeah, or the podcast, you know, or even Dan. You are Yeah, clearly you missed a couple episodes. Yeah, you know, or Bob, you know, you missed it. You missed a you missed some really good uh, you know, you missed the action, but you know, you were just looking in all the wrong places. You know, maybe your short scanner you were going long on and your long scanner you were going short on. Um, you know, it, it's just say that that happens. You know, I mean, you, you might never have to pay taxes again. Uh, yeah, you might, ne- I mean, I shouldn't say that, but you, you can just keep carrying that over. I think, uh, don't quote me on this dear God. I think you can carry it up to 20 years. And if that is wrong, I do not want a million DMs. Uh, I believe what I read was that if you have, no, if you have, if you have a year that you lost enough to carry over 20 years of taxes, yeah. uh, this podcast isn't for you. Yeah. Next. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. But off memory, I believe it's 20 years. Now, um, so that's trader tax status. I think that, and, and part, part of what I'm trying to do here, I think that if you were a complete day trader and you try and be cash every single day, you know, you try and be 100% cash, then this is for you. Okay, trader tax status. Yeah, you're going to have losses. Because, I mean, you can't, you can't day trade. Like, if you have, like, a strategy where you're day trading and you have stop losses, there are going to be losses. And, and I mean, basically what he's trying to say is if you don't have mark to market, it's going to be ridiculous after ridiculous. your $3,000 of loss because it, you might as well have made 20000 instead of 150000 Like, it, it it's, would destroy you. I mean, there's just no way around it. So I think I think that's all there is about mark to market. Man. I mean, because yeah. like that, the the fact of the matter is you have to you have to get that. Yeah, you you mark to market. There's there's honestly honestly <laughs> there's no there's not much point to trade tax status unless you can get mark to market. Um, there there's no point. There's no point in trading yeah. without mark to market. Yeah, again, again, you're just gonna be paying forty. You're gonna be giving back. You know, if you live in New Jersey, you're giving back half of your profit basically. Um, and, and that sucks. I mean, that that you might as well go work for like a hedge fund and give them back half because at, at, anything's better than the freaking government. Uh, I, I still love the United States, but it's like it's like the wash sale rule on the wash sale rule, but on everything. Yeah, <laughs> on, exactly, exactly. That's a really good point. So then the best option for, for people like me who are swing traders is, uh, you know, a corporation. Yeah, I feel, I feel like this is something a lot of people hear is like you got to have an LLC yeah. if you're making X amount or if you're doing this. And I think there are definitely there's a lot of stuff you can really hit on here. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and this is really important. And again, I don't know. I don't know the nitty gritties about setting up an LLC again. I w- I'm so thankful my accountant. It's different prices in every state. Uh, some like in Alabama, it's only like two. Yeah, in Alabama, it's only like two hundred. Yeah, I think it's like a thousand dollars. No, it's it's not a thousand dollars in in most states unless it is in like New Jersey and New York. But most places it's under five hundred dollars, from my understanding. Where where I've yeah. Read. So I mean, and honestly, I think I paid a thousand dollars, and I think that was that, that might have been for wow. That might have been <laughs> well. I think that was for him for him to set it up for me. And the, all the fees that the government charged me for. So maybe I paid, you know. You're going to post this episode and everyone's going to be like, dude, your accountant's actually a piece of shit. <laughs> no, I mean, the, I, I, yeah. Yeah, 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 maybe. Um, but um, what was I going to say? But so I think that it's really important that that everyone understands that, yes, it will cost you a little bit to opening up um, an LLC or a corporation, you know, all that. Um, but what I think that you really get is, I think that you, I mean, the first thing that always comes to mind when people ask me about opening up a, um, about opening up a corporation is that, and this goes back to the Roth and why I love the Roth and wait till you hear this for all my Roth nerds out there with a corporation, you can contribute up to like, I think it's like $54,000 to a retirement account and write it off of trading profits. No one else is like, Dan, you're not stoked by that? 
Holy shit, dude. Oh my god. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, dude, no, seriously. I was, I was, I was speechless. <laughs> I was speechless. Um, it, <laughs> I mean, that is for me. I mean, one of the biggest things that I hear people complain about a Roth is that, oh, you know, I'm only starting with like a few thousand dollars in there. Like, how am I expected to grow it? Yeah, well, guess what? In this, now you get to start with like $54,000 and you get to write it off when you're trading it. Yeah. So, I mean, like I really think, um, you know, I really, really think that this is the best option for a lot of people. But again, if you're a day trader, then maybe the trader tax status is more for you. Um, The other thing is what you get to write off as business expenses. One of the things that that I think will be super crucial if you go down this road is going to be three things. One, to open up a, keep, keep your money separate. Okay. Open up a bank account inside the business name, open up a credit card inside the business name. And obviously if you're doing trade through the LLC, then obviously you got to open up, you know, a brokerage with an LLC. So I think that that's really important because at the end of the year, when your accountant asks for your expenses, if you just hand him your credit card statement that says Hugh Henney on it. Yeah, he's gonna be like, dude, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Like, I'm not going through all of this. Um, yeah, but if you have a card in the business name that you only use for the business expenses, then that makes his life easier. That makes your life easier if you do it on by yourself. And I think that that's a really good way. And then obviously the bank account, you know, just keep it separate. And then. Um, obviously a trading account that you have to trade through. And then again, the business expenses. Um, recently I've got more into going more the short side, more short side swings, which we'll go into, uh, into my newest short swing. I gave it a little teaser tweet yesterday, but one of the most expensive things is that I've actually, I've only done like my, my account is up 56% thanks to my short count. Thanks to Nicola. Um, it's up 56% overall, um, in like t- three trades. Um, but I've already spent $7,000 in commission. Um, and that's because of the borrow rates for short. Um, that's because of the locate fees, you know, uh, the commission that I pay for the broker, stuff like that. Quick, quick question for you. Yeah. Um, aside from the fact that you have a business credit card and, the swing trading purposes for having an LLC. If you could guarantee that you could be trader status for taxes, would you still find the same need to have an LLC or would you just do it the regular way? Well, see, the reason that, and the real reason, because I'm expecting all of our viewers to make it to seven-figure profits eventually. That's kind of like... Yeah, I want, I want to hear like what 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 the real reason for the LLC is, aside from just no the guaranteed trader tax. Yeah, I mean, besides that, it, it's the fact that again you could contribute fifty thousand dollars to your retirement account, and then right, and then the, and not, if that's not only a big benefit, you know, because everyone, you know, I mean, I hate just contributing that small amount to the Roth. In addition to it, you know, if you have a million dollars in profits. You get to write off fifty thousand dollars. Put and and it's not like that money's just vanishing. It's going into your Roth, which then becomes tax free. Um, so I really think that that's the biggest benefit is that your retirement account gets fifty thousand dollars of profits that you get to write off. That's what I see as the biggest thing. So even though gotcha. I, and, and you know you pay a small maintenance fee to the state every year and and that's fine. But again. You get to contribute $50,000 and you don't have to mess with the IRS on the trader tax ass because honestly, that's such a pain. That is such a pain. I've had friends who have come, who have thought that they have come close to trader tax ass and they were like, they were ready to go out and buy like, you know, a souped up cars and stuff. And then they didn't get trader tax ass and they couldn't use mark to market and they couldn't write off, you know, they were expecting to write off X amount. And they couldn't, and they ended up having a much larger tax liability bill than what they expected. So I think that between, honestly, honestly, just between the fact that you can contribute $50,000 to, or 54, excuse me, I know I'm going to have more CPAs inside my DMs about this, you know, it's 54,000, okay, yes, I know, 54,000 to your retirement account, and 
you don't have to mess with the IRS about the trader tax status. Gotcha. I think that those two are the biggest benefits. Now, um, like I said, just some secrets or not secrets, but just some things to keep separate <clears throat> is to the different bank accounts, the different credit card for the business expenses. Um, and then also the great thing about the LLC is that, um, you know, who I own a hundred percent of my LLC and I can take a distribution of capital, um, out of the LLC without having to pay payroll taxes. So when a usual company pays payroll tax or, you know, uh, pays their employees, they have to, you know, pay payroll taxes. Um, if you are the owner and you're taking a distribution of profit, then you don't have to pay the payroll taxes. Um, now we can get into the nitty gritty about social security and stuff about if, if you pay into that, if you don't, um, basically uh, we're not going to get into that, but yes, if you don't pay payroll taxes, then you won't get social security. I don't think social security will honestly be a thing. And I plan to be honestly, I'm, I plan to have fuck you money times a hundred. Um, so I didn't want social security. So I really think that an LLC is the way to go for most people. Um, just based on that. Now the trading income from an LLC is not subject to self-employment tax. Okay. You know, and this is why, this is why LLCs are really becoming the most popular uh, decision for traders is based on what we just talked about is their ease, you know, the, the flexibility. And and honestly, I mean, once you get it set up, it's kind of self-sufficient. That's why I really love the LLC route. All right, so I think that just about uh, covers all of that. And obviously, the state you're in is going to change a bunch depending on your tax bracket, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you can easily find all that out on Google. But, you know, as a, as a quick recap, you know, for the LLCs versus just regular trader status, you know, Hugh obviously loves his Roth IRAs. Um, ex, you know, now he's even more. Now we know where all his Roth IRA money comes from. <laughs> and, you know, when it comes to deductibles and things to do for the end of the year, you know, there are definitely some things to save you money. And uh, that's why we definitely wanted to get this one out before the Zach episode uh, to make sure you guys could... Uh, you know, make sure you do all the things at the end of the year. Make sure you have all your seats together and, and all of that nonsense. But uh, to kind of wrap up this episode, you do have a um, well, we have two things. Uh, but first, you do have a new swing and you want to touch on your uh, your J and Janus. Yeah. Um, so I think I, I, one of the, the first reason that I decided to play J and J was because of how well PFE went. Um, you know, I know some people didn't lack any profit, um, and they and when they end up being sell the news, they end up losing um, about half of their profit. I'm really sorry. I hope that there was a lesson learned. Um, but part of the reason that I used it was because I wasn't even expecting. You know, I, I I talked about PFE and how I repositioned. And and just a quick little side note: this is why it's so important to make sure that you listen to every podcast because. I repositioned about halfway through PFE because my original price target on PFE was 41. I mean, it got to 40 within four days of me getting into the position. So my Delta was up to like 70 um, and my vol was just massive. And I said, okay, I'm not, I don't, and you know, if you don't know what I'm talking about, please go back and review the options podcast and there will be an options two podcast, uh, an options two coming. But basically my Delta was so high because the 39, uh, the 39 strike that I had was so far in the money that, I mean, if something bad to happen to PFE, my, my position would have just tanked. So what I had done was, was I had repositioned, rolled into different calls um, that were a little bit higher up, the 42.5 and the 43s. And, um, and I mean, it, it was a great trade overall. Um, and that's why I originally transitioned into the J&J because I knew J&J was about, was about four weeks away. And the other thing that J&J has going for it is that it's basically been consolidating on between a range for three years the price has been inside a range and just consolidating, consolidating. So, you know, it, it, we, just Friday um, afternoon, we had broke some serious um, resistance point, which it had bounced off of huge. And now the chart just looks ready to go. As I, I really don't see anything, unless as long as nothing crazy happens to SPY, um, I really don't think 
I think we go for all-time highs. And I really think that after that 157 is broken on the all-time high, that we really see a really nice um, run into the vaccine news. The the other reason, you know, I saw some people talking about, um, you know, I took the January 22nd, uh, 170 calls, the 165, 167.5, and I took the January 29 170s. And I saw some people saying, whoa, $20 away, you know, that that's a, that's some serious, um, that, you know, that's seriously far away. Well, not really. When you think about it like this, PFE ran 23.5% leading up to the vaccine news in three weeks. Okay, we have four plus weeks and all we need to get into the money is about 10%. And that's with a coiled chart, which is ready for a breakout. Um, so I really feel good about our position and I like where we are at. Um, and then obviously I added some of the January 22nd. I added some of the, some of the 160 calls. Yeah. Some of the 160 calls I tweeted about, I mean, they're up like 30% already. And, um, you know, that was on that dip that I added. So that's how I, that's kind of an update about the J and J and that rolls into, um, into the swing that I started accumulating and that is called E. B.S. So elephant balloon sister. And the reason that I started accumulating EBS was because their market cap is about $4 billion And the deal that they're doing with The reason J&J, I started accumulating EBS is because I love elephants, balloons, and my sister. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, I do like balloons. Um, but <laughs> the sister, I don't know. But, <laughs> but, um, but so, so I started to accumulate that because that chart, I mean, when they announced the deal with J&J, it went from like $60 a share to one. 30 and because it's been out of the headlines it's gone back down to like 77 now it looks bottomed out now it's at around the 90 range kramer pumped it it, it runs almost the same with j and j and so i don't see why it can't go back to that 130 and on vaccine approval you know ebs should should see a huge spike because they're the, they're going to be the manufacturer you know the market cap like i said is 4 billion the deal what they're doing with j and j is like like 20% of the market cap or 15% of the market cap. So that alone should bring it, you know, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked to see 150. But that being said, also, the other reason I'm taking EBS is because the options for for right around when the vaccine for, for and this is the reason I'm taking commons and not options, is because um, the options are, the vol is already so high on them. And the options are basically, and this is something that we'll go into inside the second pod, inside the options two podcast, is that the vol on them is so high that they're already pricing in the stock to move north of 115 by mid-January. Um, so I don't want to take those because I don't see the vols too high on them. That's why I'm taking EBS, just the common stock. The deal is only contingent on J&J getting approval, which I, I see that as getting approval, especially now I feel even more confident about PFE and MRNA. Um, I mean, MRNA is, you know, I can't wait to short that bad boy. You know, it, it, and so that's why I like EBS a lot. You know, over 100, it should squeeze hard. Um, and, and I think into the J&J vaccine results, um, it'll squeeze hard as well. And just to touch on e, uh, J&J again, I think that it's, you know, I kind of touched on it, but J&J, I feel even more confident about the approval because PFE and mRNA um, both got approved. And on top of that, j and is the only single dose vaccine. Um, both RMNA and PFE, both are double dose va- um, vaccines. J&J is a single dose PFE is only 30% effective on the first dose. Uh, one of the things that they're worried about is that people won't show up for their second shot. Um, so that's why I really feel good about J&J. They also said that they could have a billion doses. So now we have, you know, they're going to become the front runner for the vaccine. They're going to, their chart is coiled and we have a date for, for mid, mid to end January. So I feel really good about our position there. All right, cool. We've got one more little thing before we get out. Um, <clears throat> we love everyone's reviews, but we certainly love the uh, five-star reviews. We are currently the number 10 investing podcast and number four stock market podcast. And, uh, you know, I, I want to get back to reading some of, some of our reviews. Uh, I know we usually read five-star reviews, but I think reading this one 
from uh, August 2nd is, is a good one. It's from Aiden11111. Everyone thinks they're an expert trader since the March drop. You literally could have bought just about any stock and it would have gone up. The one dude literally just would post dancing and joke posts to the furus. And now that he has a decent following, he's suddenly a stock expert. Give me a break. <laughs> hey, well, Aiden, look who's dancing now, bitch. <laughs> so uh, make sure to drop us some five-star reviews uh, for, for the end of the year. We have one more episode coming up, the Zach Morris episode. And it's coming on the 27th, next Sunday, one week from today. It is going to be very, very exciting. I know everyone's been waiting for it. Uh, it even took us, his close friends, around three to four months to get him to do it. But yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed Hugh's episode. He's going to Egypt, so we may have to have a, a Dan and an interviewee episode in a couple weeks from now. But uh, I'd like to sign you guys off with uh, have a very Merry Christmas, and we'll see you guys with Zach next week. What do you say, Hugh? Yeah, baby. I can't wait. All right, guys. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Like and subscribe everywhere else. Thanks again. See you next time.